We're going to talk about um, just something I believe is, uh, is, is, is so close to the heart of God. It's something that Jesus started and that Jesus wishes to thrive and Jesus wishes would be successful. Um, but before we get there, I want to mention a little bit about what um, Ryan spoke about, what I spoke about last week, because I think it's just such a... Um, such an important factor in our relationship with God is realizing how much God wants us to become like Jesus. How much He wants the same maturity, the same settledness, the same security, confidence, and bold faith that Christ had for each and every one of us to live that, live in that, live in that place of security with Him. Um, and what we actually spoke about last week was basically the difference between what it means to be a, a worker uh, versus what it means to be a child. In a household, uh, and we basically juxtaposed those two things, uh, and and said that uh, the, the relationship between the master uh, and the, the the servant is different from the relationship between the father and the son. And God does not want us to come into a relationship with Him and come into His house, His church, His kingdom, with the mentality of a worker, the mentality of somebody that is here to just do a duty and. Basically, that's it. Um, religion often causes us to just experience God as our master and we're just his servants. Um, but the Bible is clear that we're not just servants. We are son servants. We are children of God. You know, God could have saved us and solved our problem, which is sin. The biggest problem of man is, you know, not what we currently experience in this life. Uh, in, in the physical life, it's actually the fact that we're separated from God by our sin before we know Christ, right? That is man's biggest problem. That's what causes most of our issues in life. Um, and Jesus came to solve that very problem, to not have us be separated from God. But the Bible says that we weren't just forgiven our sin uh, and absolved of the consequence of our sin, the eternal consequence of our sin by his forgiveness, we were also adopted into his family. He could have just forgave us our sin and left it at that, and we would have been servants for life. We would have been, you know, had to, by virtue of the fact that we belong to, he purchased us, we, we are <laughs> his possession, had to serve him. But, but he did not want that. He wants relationship with us, and so he made us his children. And then the Bible says that not a, it's not enough for him to just have us as his children. He wants us to become co-regents with him, co-rulers with him. And so for that to happen, each, enough, each of us needs to grow in our relationship with God to, be, of God to become sons of God. And for the ladies out there, that is not a gender term. That is a maturity term. It talks about the difference between a child that has no awareness of what's going on in his house and basically just accepts all things as is um, versus a mature son who can see the needs of the house and go, hey, let me do something about that. Let me help mom, dad. Let me, let me offer if I can do anything about this. Um, and this is so true that even in the parable of the prodigal son uh, that Jesus explained, the son came back to his father and said, look, I'm not worthy to be your son. Let me just be a worker in your household. Let me just, I know how you treat your workers. You treat them pretty decently. And I'm satisfied with just being a worker. Maybe you have felt that. You know what? I'm good. I'm not all too much into this relationship thing, but I will serve God. You know what the father did in this instance? He refused that. He refused it flat out. And he took actions to reinstate that prodigal son as a proper son in the house, he clothed him, put a ring of authority back on his finger, put feet on his shoes to ready him for the work that's going to come. He fully instated him as a son in the house. God does not want workers. He wants sons. And so God, no matter how you view yourself, that does not change God's heart towards you. He wants you to step into sonship with him. Um, and sometimes we just feel like, man, we're not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, that prodigal son wasn't worthy. But that's just the point of Christianity. Come on. None of us are worthy. <laughs> you don't become worthy by your good works. You become worthy by your acceptance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. 
That's how we attain our sonship, is by our faith. And so it's fully available to each and every one of us today. And not just available so that we might choose to go for it. In fact, God is not going to settle for anything less. You're going to become a son. (laughs) And he's going to be on your case until you become a son. And so why don't you just say yes to him for that? Um, Today I want to start a small series. I don't know how long exactly it's going to go. It's not going to be very long, maybe a week or three, um, but two weeks or three. But it's called Passion for His Mission. Um, And I think... What, what's, so, what's so important about passion for his mission is the fact that it actually flies in the face of everything that uh, your society and, and the American society is about. The American society is very individualistic and it is so focused on the success of the individual. So, so that we all grow up, and by, believe me, even though I grew up in Africa, I grew up with a westernized mindset of individualization and uh, self-actualization and the striving to be somebody is very much ingrained in our hearts uh, as, as Afrikaners as well. So I understand ambition and, you know, uh, advancement and trying to achieve and, you know, pursuit of excellence and becoming somebody and making a name for yourself. I understand those things very well because those were things that I battled in my own life as I learned how to submit myself and give myself into the the calling, the kingdom work that God has placed on my life. But passion for his mission takes me out of the central part of my journey. It takes me out of the spotlight and it puts the spotlight on somebody else that I become a supporting cast member of to make sure that the hero beats the bad guy and gets the girl. Your and my place in the story of life is not that we're the heroes of our own stories. We're supporting cast. We're supposed to find our role within the actual story that's playing out. And that story is Jesus beating the devil and getting the girl, the church, and taking her away into ever after with, you know, all sorts of romantic feelings and back songs and things that's all, you know, creating nice atmosphere, which I don't have now. Chris, where are you, man? I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Sit still. (laughs) God wants us to play our role in making Jesus famous. He is the center part of the story. And so, Becoming a son really is realizing that it's not about me. It's not about my name. My life needs to actually start proclaiming a different name. My life needs to proclaim the name of Jesus and make him famous and find my value within my, my role to make him famous in this world. That's what we've been called to do as his children. And really... Within that, you will find that you realize your worth more as a supporting cast member to Jesus' story than when you think you are the hero of your own story. That is one of the biggest truths and mysteries is that how can I feel better and feel more fulfilled and have more joy when it's not about me? I know that boggles the brain, but that is how the kingdom of God works. And since you have become a child in the kingdom of God, that is how it will work for you. It's the kingdom of God is, a, it's like almost like a belly up from what the natural world's tendencies and knee-jerk reactions are. Um, and we need to recognize that. <clears throat> and as we align ourselves to that, we'll start seeing and, and experiencing it. But it takes a step of faith. It takes a step of trust to put myself second and to put Jesus first in my life. Because the, the fear of like, oh, what about me? What about my dreams and hopes and desires? The Bible gives us an amazing promise in Matthew 6.33. He says, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things you hope for will be added to you at God's time and God's pace and in his pattern. But your life will have significance and your life will have value and you will be fulfilled. Not when you go out there and seeking your own, but when you go out there and seeking His. 
seeking his kingdom, seeking his way of doing life. Let me tell you, when you step out of that pursuit and try to get what's yours, what, what, what you want, man, so often that just leads down paths of difficulty, complexity, you know, mistakes, things that now make everything worse than it used to. And, and, and not that God can't reroute that, but God doesn't want us to experience things like that. He wants us to walk a straight path from A to B. If there's curls in it, it's because of our decisions. But we can walk that path because we are His children and we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that leads us along that. But there is something that really helps in this journey that if we understand its purpose, we will be able to gain the benefit from it. But it's only if that thing works as God has actually intended for it to work. Okay? And my interaction to it is how God wants me to act. Towards, uh, is, is how he wants me to interact with it. I am talking about the house of God. And during this, this, this series, we're going to talk about a passion for his mission. And really, I'm, we're going to share a couple of things that Jesus is passionate about. Um, one of them is, is the church. Um, and over the time, we're going to talk about more things, life groups and outreach and things that really is, 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 is critical to our church's existence and the way we do things um, that, that, that God wants you to engage and see how you fit into that. But for today, I want to talk about this, a zeal for his house, a zeal for God's house. Now, I know we're a part of a global body of, Christian, of Christianity. I know that. But here's the truth. You cannot experience what the, what the church of God needs to be for you unless you step into a local church. Because you cannot be involved in a, the global body does not necessarily operate the way God wants his church to operate. All right, because there's no, there's no leadership in that. There's no accountability in that. There's no often real relationships in that. And these are all crucial aspects to how and a local church is supposed to operate so that it can take children of God and mature them to become sons of God. Mature children, mature Christians. And so Jesus had a passion for God's house. In John 2 verse 17, this happens right after Jesus is, uh, went into the temple, th overthrow all the, the commercial activities that was happening in the temple, you know, try to uh, clear that out and, and said to them, you know, my house, my, my, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, you know, but you've made it a den of thieves and robbers. Um, the, Bible's, the Bible records that, you know, they, the disciples remembered that it was written, uh, Scripture had said that devotion for your house will consume me. Jesus had a passion for the house of God. And we are a house of God. Not this place or this church or the name or the brand, but us. Us as the people that are committed to this particular local church. We are a house of God for which Jesus has an absolute passion that we will make it. That we will fulfill our calling. And that if we become mature sons and daughters, we will develop a zeal for this place. To see this place do and reach and become what God has called it to become. See what Jesus was actually doing? Jesus was disrupting this. They had taken the temple and made it a means to their human ends. They knew people would come to the temple. They knew that there was going to be crowds there. So what they did was they went and they marketed their produce and their products in a place where they could reach their ends. They made God's house a means to their own ends. And that sound familiar. How often do we make God a means to our own ends? How often do we serve him just for what we get out of him? Lord, I want your protection. Lord, I want your provision. Lord, I want your blessing. Lord, um, you know, I want your peace. I want your joy. I want, 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 want. It's all about you still. God does not want us to be in a relationship like that with him. That is a relation. Well, let me rather say, <laughs> let me say it differently. God does not want us to stay in a relationship like that with him. He wants us to mature to a different level of relationship where it's not just about me and my needs and my wants. Where I start understanding, wow, this house, this, this kingdom, 
has an agenda, has an objective to reach, and I have a role to play in it. That's how Jesus lived. And to become like Christ is to think and act like him. He knew his goal, he understood his role, and he executed it with perfection. And then he did the craziest thing. He told you and I to go and complete the mission. So it is imperative that we understand the goal of the kingdom of God. And it is imperative that you and I understand our role in our individual roles in this. Because like any team that's competing for a championship, you know, everybody, if they're not on the same page, there's, there's no way they beat everybody to the top. So there has to be a, a clarity of the goal. This is what we're trying to achieve. But then each individual player needs to know their role. And they need to execute it as flawlessly as they can. And the better a team is at individuals who execute their individual roles but do it correctly, which means that they always play toward each other, the better that team is. In fact, you can go and see, often you'll find teams of individuals who are Less than starred players, more average kind of players, but they work together better as a team. They beat teams with star players that don't know how to operate as a team. And that's what God wants for us. Our goal has always been since the beginning of, 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 of this church to reach people and to build lives. And I need to take one step back from that because the backdrop of that is not quote unquote, the American dream, to reach people and build lives so that you can achieve all that you want to do. You know, the backdrop of that is the honor and the glory of God. That is the end to which we are trying to reach people and build lives. We want to build lives in the image of Jesus Christ so that all of us collectively will live lives that honor and glorify God first and foremost. So to honor God and to glorify Him and to expand His kingdom, that is the, the, the goal that we're trying to achieve. And, and, and how we say that is like, we need to reach people. We need to include more people in this journey of learning how to honor God and learning how to advance His kingdom. And then we need to help develop them and build them to a place where they can take up some weight in the kingdom of God and help carry the goal of the house forward, each of them fulfilling their individual role. So we know what the goal is, but do you know your role? Do you know what your role is here? I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because that becomes um, fundamental to our ability to achieve God's end in our cities. Here's what I want to talk about in order for us to be able to understand our role. I want to talk about the unique traits of our church that make us who we are. Because where the goal tells us what we're going to achieve, it's our value system that shows us how we go about doing that. Our values determine the how of what we do. And we tough, often talk about our DNA, you know? And, and, and the reason why we do this is because we all understand we're all part of the human race, right? We're all part of the human race. But your DNA is different from my DNA. Right? You're diff but there's, there's, there's very many similarities, right? but it's not all the same. Like, for instance, I am tall, and Matt is less tall. right? He's not short, but he's less tall. Um, that makes my DNA slightly different. I can do certain things that he can't. Uh, and then he can survive certain things that I can't, like you know, walking through doorways, um, naturally. Um, but our DNA of this church helps us to realize how we live out this calling that God has given us. And one of the core values, and there, there are quite a few, but one that I want to really hone in on today because it's, it's, um, it's really uh, you know, uh, um, germane to the topic of zeal for the house of God is the fact that we have a passion for people. This house has a passion for people. And because of that, it is not just enough for us to know that you are on our membership role. We want relationship. Because, and here's the kicker, we actually care. 
we care how you are. We care where you are. We care about how's it going. We care about what you're dealing with, what you're suffering through. We care. And because we care, we want to know. And that's why often we'll reach out, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, try, we'll, we'll try to figure out, you know, where are people at, where they're at. And it's, it's not because we're nosy. Or it's not because we're, it's because we care. It's because people are this house's passion. And, and I know that you don't really worry about what I have to say until you know the reason for why I'm saying it. People want to know how much you care before they care on what you know. And so you and I find ourselves in this house that, that, that I didn't start, you didn't start, somebody started it with this value in place. And, 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 and as I stepped into this family, right, I came from a quite different family of churches that, um, uh, that, that had less of a value like this. And so for me, it was amazing to see just testimony, testimony, story after story of people stepping through those doors and immediately feeling cared for. And I thought to myself, that is kingdom. That's how people ought to feel when they step into the house of the Lord. They ought to feel welcome. They ought to feel valued and cared for, even though we don't even, might even not know their names yet. Hopefully we'll get to know their names pretty quick. And hopefully we'll remember those names. Um, because that's also a way of showing that we actually cared <laughs> meeting you. And it was, it was a good thing for us meeting you. But here's the thing. It's not enough that just individuals in this church understands this. We as a collective need to understand this. Every single one of us need to understand that this house is passionate about people. And this house cares for people. This house has, um, has a real stake in how your life is going. And, and I believe as, as we all kind of adopt that, that, that way, um, which really is on the inside of us because Jesus is on the inside of us, right? As we all allow that value to just surface into our, into our front, in the front of our heart, which is something I realized I had to do and which I, I can't thank God enough that he placed me in an environment like this where I could learn that, um, where I could feel valued more than for just, you know, being the, the preacher guy, but actually people being interested in me and my wife and, my, and our kids and, 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 and for more reasons than just what they can get out of us, right? Um, I re that's how we all need to respond in order for us as a unit and as a team that's engaged in this championship of life for us to win, for us to at the end of the day obtain and reach the objective that God has called us to do. So I want to read from Romans 12 that talks about this in particular. And, and this scripture passage really explains that this isn't something that you can just be, um, be oddly associated with. And here's the reason why. It first starts off by saying, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. How many of you have measured yourself by the faith God has given you instead of measuring yourselves by your abilities, by your personality, and by your pocket? How often do we say no to things because we don't feel like we have it or we have it, or we go like, yeah, that's just, that's just not me. You know, I, 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 I can't do that. God says, we got to measure ourselves honestly by the faith he has given us. God has given each and every one of us incredible abilities to serve other people with, and you thinking that you've got nothing to contribute is you dishonestly measuring yourself, evaluating yourself according to the wrong standards. He goes on to say, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. In His grace, this is again not something that you earned 
or something that you developed, right? It's something that His grace implanted in you that is already there that can be drawn upon. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Nobody that sits here is unable to do good to other people. Doesn't matter what kind of a personality you are, how much money you have, or you know, what your current capacity is. We are all enabled to benefit people around us based on the grace that God, through our faith, has implanted in our hearts. Now, some here, and we acknowledge, will never preach, and some will never, like, you know, maybe sing. But there are so many other ways that we can serve people, benefit people, and love and care for people that might be more, you know, uh, suitable for how you were designed to do. But you've got to start looking at yourself and seeing what God has placed in you. I believe the, the reason why most people don't actually participate and start getting involved is because they don't see what's on the inside of them. My job as a pastor is to prepare you for works of ministry. It's not to do all the ministry myself. My job is to prepare you. So I need to see and help you see what's on the inside of you and help you give you opportunity to start releasing that. Then it goes on to say, so if God has given you the ability to do something and then it lists a couple of things and it says, do it well, do it wholeheartedly, do it generously, not holding back what God has given you to be a blessing to others too. Sometimes we look at our church or we look at our situation maybe. We look at you know, different areas, uh, maybe in, in school, our teams, etc. We, we think to ourselves, man, if we just had a star player, you know, if we just had a famous guy that led our church, right, like an actual famous guy, right, you know, then people will stream to our church and you know, there'll be all sorts of good, good, nice, nice, nice things. If we just had rich people in our church, man, we could do so much more. <laughs> you see that... <laughs> That kind of thinking is actually so counterproductive, it's not even funny. Because God has placed within us everything we need to make an impact. The question is, are we bringing what we have received and putting it on the table to be used by God? Or are we selfishly just you know, pulling back and saying, oh, I'm not ready, or no, 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 I don't have anything to give. I really trust that through our message here today that each and every one of you will realize that you have something to contribute to this church. Now let me just say something about financial contributions. Our church is actually a pretty generous church. Many of our people have understood the, the value and the absolute joy of managing finances according to kingdom principles. And I am so proud of of you for, for how you have trusted God with your finances. You know, when I, when, when, when I get the report every Monday, and I don't look into it in detail every Monday, so don't worry. But when I get it, I'm, I think to myself, man, you know what? I'm thankful that we have a church that has decided to put their, uh, their trust for provision in the source, which is God, not in their salaries or their, you know, or their, or their, or their occupations. Um, and then some of us still need to discover that. But what I'm trying to say by that is that often we think, man, if I just had more money, I could make a bigger difference, right? Let me just say this. Money, even though it enables us to do a lot of nice things and it helps us to be a benefit and a blessing to many people, that is actually the least valuable of our gifts to give to God and to God's people. Don't tell me your time is less valuable than money. Don't tell me your energy. Don't tell me your attention is less valuable than your money. These are the bigger things God wants us to start doing because these are the things that actually communicate love and care. But just so you know, some of the greatest contributors in our church are also the biggest servants. 
they give the most, but they serve the most in our church. And that is just a great example of the kind of house that, that God has included us in. This house is a house that's generous. And that's another value of ours. We live from a spirit of generosity with our time, our treasures, and our talents. We give in this house because that's who we are because that is how we take care of people. That's how we take care of the business of God. And it's such a joy to be able to do that. Why? Because I'm not a worker. When I put something into this house, I don't lose it. I develop the house better because the house is mine. I'm a son. And I've decided that I'll be a son in this house, even though I wasn't born again in this house. I've decided that this house, I will be a son in. I will be a son to Pastor Bubba. I'll be a son slash brother to Pastor Josh. I will be a son. And I will, I will give what I have to this house. And, and, and you know what? I realized that there are dreams and things that I'd hoped to achieve, that I wanted to do in my life, that I had to take a break from. I had to go, Lord, there are other things that I wish I could have done, that I wish I was doing already. But you know what? Being known and valued in a place that is God honoring and serving you, man, that is just, that's such a greater joy to know that I am a son in a house than having a name somewhere. You see, the older you get, the more you realize that it's, it's, it's actually more worth it to be loved than to be known. By known, I'm talking about fame. It's more important to be loved, to, to have people that actually know you and love you anyways, than to have a name out there, but nobody really knows you. That's what it means to be a son in a house. And that's why we, I've, I've, I've put everything I have into, into this house and into this ministry and will continue to do so because I, I know that I'm not going to lose anything. You see, it's, it, it, it's strange because I, I was employed into this church out of a different country. I could have easily come here and just went like, you know what, I'm employed, you know, I have my office hours and I have my this and that. And that. But when I saw the heart of this house, I realized that this is a place where I can be a son. This is a place where I can have a heritage. This is a place where I can, I can, I can live in the heritage that God wants for me. I don't have to move on. I don't have to go nowhere else. God can do it right here. I'm walking in that. And so that's what, it, that's what happens when you become a son in a house. And that's what happens when you start developing a passion, a zeal for the house of the Lord. You start benefiting from it. You see, <laughs> the prodigal son, right? Um, he went to his dad and said, hey, can I have my heritage? Can I have my money? I need to go. Give me my dough so I can go. What he missed was that he already had his heritage. He was living in his heritage. His dad's house was his. All he had to do was participate in it, was give himself to it. Not him or the older brother got that. The older brother was the essential slave worker. He was walking in his inheritance, but he never felt that it was his. So his dad told him, why you never ask for a little lamb? It's yours. In fact, if the herd is healthy, just take one. The herd is yours. Just manage it well. Guys, we are walking in our heritage right here. We don't have to go anywhere else. But you won't experience family to the point that God wants you if you don't get involved, if you don't give yourself into it, if you don't develop that passion, that zeal to see that house become whatever God wants it to become. You know, it works like that in physical family too. Some of you might have family that you've been estranged from. And there's maybe even not have been any conflict. It's just that, well, we don't talk anymore. We just stopped talking. I just stopped showing up to family events because it's kind of out of my way. See, they live in Baton Rouge, right? So we kind of got estranged from that. Now, I have, I have better friendships and better 
experience of care and family over here where I'm involved. It makes sense. It makes sense. There are, there are parts of my family, I'm talking about my extended family, that, man, I have better relationships with people that I have no blood connection to than I have with people in my own bloodline. Why? Just because I spend time with them. I'm involved in their lives. And there's an even greater connection that happens when you start realizing that blood may be thicker than water, but spirit is thicker than blood. I have relationships. And now luckily my, my, my immediate family, they're all saved. And so I have, a, I have a spiritual relationship with them as well. But I have closer brothers and sisters than I have sometimes with my own family. Because I'm more involved. I've shared deeper things. We're, we're, we have shared things that are different that I can't share currently with my blood brother, that I wish to God I would be able to, that I'm praying for every day. But it's not there yet. It might be, it might, and one day it definitely is going to be there when we're in heaven. If, if, if it doesn't happen this side of the planet, this side of, of life, you know, it, it, it'll get there because he's saved and, and he's a child of God too. But there is nothing wrong with having deep and intimate relationships and experiencing family with people outside of your bloodline. Jesus had the same. There was an instance where he was busy ministering and people came to him and said, hey, your family needs you. And he's like, well, who's my family? And then he pointed to his disciples and says, you are my family. We forget that this existence is not the primary one. We forget that this life is the temporary one. And as much as we hold dear, 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 dear the relationships we have here, we have to realize that some of these relationships are not going to transfer into eternity. Man, I hope that you and your family are all saved. I trust that. I'll pray for you if they're not. I'll pray with you if they're not. But there is, there is a reality that we have to face, that we're, we have family closer with the ones whom we have regular interaction with, with whom we share of ourselves, with, from whom we receive things that we might not even be able to receive from our physical family right now because they might not be Christians. This is family. But you're not going to experience it unless you give yourself into it. Unless you say yes to having that relationships. Unless you start not just receiving care, but giving care. I want you guys to experience what I'm experiencing in this spiritual family. But you can't until you jump in. Because that's how it works. You see, I said earlier that we're, we're, we're less about who's on our membership role than we are about who's showing up. Who's showing up? That's who family is. And I know that there are different reasons why sometimes people don't come. Like, oh, right now with the coronavirus, people are out, etc., etc. Um, but I said in the first, in the first um, series where we have an online audience, I said to them, just because you're physically distanced from, from us right now, it doesn't mean that you have to come relationally cold. But some have made, unfortunately, this get together, the be all and end all of their connection. And when this fell away or it became unavailable, everything fell apart for them because they did not have relationship. They did not invest in caring relationship. It was all about this event. OSC is not built around this event. It's built around the relationships that have chosen to serve God in this region together and to share care for one another. And if you want to get in on that, you better show up. That's how you gain access to it. That's how you start uh, finding it. Um, and there's a great witness in that. In fact, that's been one of the, the, greatest, the greatest witnesses out there 
to, to OSC's um, you know, testimony, our, our, our faith and our, our following Jesus has been this fact that we care for one another. The Bible says in, in John 13, when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. That's how it happens. In fact, most of our serving uh, in the community has come through care. Most of our, our involvement is, a, is taking care of things, whether it's uh, uh, school buildings, washing or, or, or painting stuff in, on our parks, or whether it's going and cutting people's lawns, removing trees and putting tarps. Most of how people experience OSC is through our acts of love. It's through care. It's through service. It's through, it's through sharing what we as a family are with people. This is who we are as OSC. And many believe that they will get fulfillment by, you know, seeking God on their own. You cannot. You cannot. Because you were designed like a Lego block. You all know what a Lego block is, right? How do you call them? It's Lego. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lego. Okay, Lego means to let go. That's exactly the opposite of what a Lego block is for. A Lego block is made to connect, right? But I'll go with Lego. Legos. Don't let go. That makes my point so much more difficult to prove. <laughs> a Lego block that's alone is good for one thing. Excruciating pain in the middle of the night when you step on it. Lego blocks were designed to connect to each other so that when the Lego block finds its place and it goes, sits right where it's supposed to be and it connects to the others, it forms a little toy that brings joy and enjoyment to a child's life. You are a Lego block. You are meant to connect so that together we can become a joy to people outside of this family, a joy to our community, a hope restorer to our community. But if we're just a bunch of Lego blocks on top of each other, we serve no purpose yet. We have to be put in place. We have to be designed, <clears throat> follow the design and be put in a place where I can start contributing, filling my little hole in the wall or in the belly of the dinosaur, which is a Lego model we built recently. That's when it becomes purposeful. We don't find ourselves by go looking for ourselves. You find yourself by finding yourself in God's mission. You find yourself by finding yourself how you're supposed to relate to the story of the hero and make his name famous. How you partner with others. How you start caring for other people and then they start saying to you, hey man, you're really good with doing that. And you go like, Really? I never thought of myself as a that. And they're like, well, look at this, look at that, look at that. Wow, I never knew that about myself. You get to learn about you by connecting to God and other people. Not by going off on your own and trying to figure things out. That's a lie of the devil. You find yourself when you find yourself in relation to God and other people. And I believe this to my core, that you're not walking in your purpose until others are benefiting from your presence. How are you supposed to benefit us while you're here? What are your hole that you need to fill? See, sons think like that. Mature children of God think like that. They don't go like, oh, I wonder when this place is going to get cleaned up. No, they go like, this place needs to get cleaned up. Hey, where's the broom? They see the need and they fill it. An immature child comments about it, judges others for not doing it correctly. A mature child just gets busy fixing it. This is who we are as OSC. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Something hit me. I sometimes think that people don't get involved just because they don't really know what's inside them. And then they try to figure that out on their own. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Let us help. 
I never knew that I was certain things until somebody said to me, yeah, Jay, I'm always so, you always so clearly explain things to me. I never knew I was somewhat of a communicator. In fact, <laughs> when I was 18 years old, I was scared to death of speaking in front of people. At that point in time, you tell me I would be a pastor of a church preaching every Sunday, I would have downright laughed at you. Thought you were almost said a, a, a wrong Cajun word. See, when you learn different languages, you normally learn the cuss words first, right? So you ought to be careful. But when I would sit with people one-on-one -on -one and I would try and explain things to them, they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. I just, I never saw it that way. Thanks. You, 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 you articulate things so well when, when, we, when we talk and I can understand things. And I were like, Wow, I'm, okay, I never knew that. And that's how I kind of just started thinking, well, if I could do that with one person, maybe I could do it with a small group of people. And then as that grew, eventually I found myself able to teach and eventually also preach, which is a slight difference. There is on the inside of you the abilities placed by God to care for people in unique ways. For some, it is taking care of people physically. For some, it is taking care of people emotionally. For some, it is, you know, it's, it's different things. But you need to come so we can figure that out. You need to get in so we can figure that out. How, how does this, what does this mean for you? I agree not everybody should, you know, be doing certain things. Like how many of you would admit that you can't sing? You see that? All right. How many of you sitting next to them would agree that you know they shouldn't shouldn't sing? Okay, good. Now the rest of you, um, can I get some signups for our worship band? Uh, we want to supplement the team. You know, maybe who's musicians in the house here? Nobody? Uh, somebody? Yeah, we got some. We got some people putting up half hands. I've got a half a musician over here. There's a musician over there hiding in the back. All right, good. Come on. Look to what Philippians. 2 verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Why do you keep holding that back? Come, let that become an encouragement to others around you. Romans 12 verse 3 said, Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Come on, we can do this. You have something to add to this family. Maybe you're good with people, making people feel welcome. And, you know, maybe you can, you know, make people feel at ease. You know, the scariest thing for some people is to walk into a new church. But if they encounter somebody friendly who is just good with people, just able to make them feel relaxed and just, hey, you know what, let me, let me, say hi to let me help you say hi to a couple of people all of a sudden you feel okay i'm among normal people i don't have to act i don't have to put up a front i don't you know i can just i can be me most people just want to know can i be me here sometimes you're good at making people just drop the guards and just like take a breath and come and enjoy what the house has to offer that's what we, that's, that's the kind of people we need in our greeting teams and in our ushering teams that help people kind of, you know, find places where they can sit comfortably. Like when you step into a place like this, walking down this single aisle, you know, there was another time that you might have walked down a single aisle and it was highly stressful. You were meeting a guy up front that you weren't all too sure about, but you know, here you go again. Being aware of what people go through and you can make them feel comfortable. You can help them just to experience God's house, experience His, His, His love and His care and, and His atmosphere of safety. You're safe in here. Sometimes you're just good with doing that. Sometimes you should not meet people in the front door because you don't know how to smile. And, 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 and you prefer it that way. You want to rather just do something where nobody sees you. Well, we've got so many places where we can serve like that. You know, the people that show up at before seven o'clock and start setting this place up. And you know what? They have been faithfully serving 
you. They have been caring for you. I think it's time we start caring back, don't you think? It's time we started caring back. So I want us to stop thinking about what I can't do. I want us to start thinking, what can I do? Stop thinking what I don't have and start looking at what do I have to give. Sometimes you're good with administration. Sometimes people are good with, you know, with singing. Man, if you can sing, come. Sometimes you just like to give people food. Hey, you know what I decided? I think it's time for us to get coffee back. But I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Who likes serving coffee? All right? That's yours. That's yours. Up for the grabbing. We're not starting it until somebody says I'll do it. But maybe it's time that instead of waiting for the shoulder tap, you go and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to do this. Is there a place where I can do that? Maybe it's time that we just say, hey, you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you what to do. That's what a worker does. To be honest, if a worker doesn't get anything to do in a day, 90% of them are just going to do nothing. But you know what employees are looking for? They're looking for that guy who comes in on slow days and asks, what else can we do? That guy that when the job is done, stays a little while and says, hey boss, everything okay? You need anything else? I'll tell you what, those are the guys that get promoted because they're acting like sons. They care. We have a lot of sons in this house. We want more because as more people rise into sonship, this house will become the greatest experience, the greatest family to be involved in than you can ever have imagined. It's time to say, what can I do? How can I add? How can I care? And we don't say, hey, once you start doing something, you have to stay in that forever. No. If you find something new that you want to do, let's get it done. Let's get it going. This is, a, this is a place where we can experiment. You can try one thing one for a little bit. You can try. All we want is for you to step into that place of involvement so that you can really start experiencing the kind of relationships that this place has to offer. There's no growing um, like there, there is when, when you are working together with some people on certain things. Let us stand today as we conclude I'm going to take a minute close your eyes if you will I want you to just ask God this question Lord what do I have to give right now and I understand that some of us aren't able to come to the services um, every single week and some of us work work hitches and you know we, we're away for a couple of weeks and then we're back in etc but you know what we've done? We've, we've allowed that to tell us that you can't do anything instead of us just asking, hey, since this is my reality, how and what can I still do? So I want you to ask that question to God. But what can I do? How can I benefit this place? How do you want me to give of who you have made me to be so that I can start living out my purpose with this people? Maybe for some of you that means you just have to first get in. Ask yourself, is this the house that God wants you to be in and be a part of? And, 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 and let us grow together to see how God just takes you into your, into your, your, your purpose with us. I believe Ryan will tell you how to do that. Too. Well, I'll maybe, I'll maybe tell you. We have, we have this thing called Next Step where we talk about what this family is about and, and we look at your particular design and ask how can that benefit the house but first and foremost you know you you know things you like to do you know things that you're good at 
Maybe take a minute now and tell God, all right, God, I'm going to start giving some of this. Give me an opportunity. Who do I speak to? And I want you to act on that. I want you to go, all right, I'll do this, Lord. I'll do this. Not, not for them, but for you. Because I know this is going to honor you. And it's going to create an environment where your kingdom will advance even stronger. Lord God, we want to just come like Romans 12 says, bring our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. Lord, we want to say, here we are. Send us, Lord. Here we are. Tell us, Lord, how and what we can do for your, for your house, for your kingdom. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So right before we leave, I want to let you know that next week we're going to have some, some signs and some tables up um, with little sign-up sheets on, on them of things that this house is currently doing. Things that this house, um, opportunities that this house gives you that you get to release who you are through to care for this house. And I want you to come prayed up, ready to sign up for that, ready to, to take a little bit of who you are and not just think about your own interests, but to think of those, uh, the interests of those around you. And then go and decide. If there's nothing like that that you want to do, maybe it's time for you to just say, okay, good, what, what is there for me to do? And then at the same time, make a conversation happen. Like, I would like to add this. Is it possible? But sometimes when you know, you're, you're, you're in a mission, uh, they ask you, hey, will, will you rather play this position? <laughs> you're like, well, I guess I can. I always, I always used to, in, in sport, this mentality often exists. Guys will tell you, I don't care what position I play as long as I can be on the team. As long as I can be on the team. I've played every position known in the sport I played rugby. I wasn't built for half of them, but it made me part of the team. Sometimes that was stupid because it broke me a little bit, but there's wisdom too, to know, hey, sometimes you can be a short time in something. And then you have to move on to the right thing. But it's all about me being willing, me putting myself out there. And then again, I just want to thank you so much for being a generous church. This church is awesome. I'm telling you, people in our church believe in this family. And man, it is just such a joy to know that God is going to use everything we give, our time, our treasures, and our talents for the advancement of His kingdom. And just so you all know, right now we're taking care of a couple of families in our church. Um, that have fallen in, you know, in, in tough times and um, you're just unable to, to do certain things. And, and your contributions to the church make it able for us to really care for people when it matters the most. And this family will soon you know, be able to um, receive long-term disability things. But in the meantime, we were able to help them save their house, save their cars, save their insurance policies um, because that's what we do. That's all we do. And that's just one little story of you know, how, how our, our church, how you help care for uh, the people of this church. And so I want to pray a blessing over that today before we leave. And then we'll head out. Father, we just thank you now in the name of Jesus for giving us so many things to give from into your house so many ways to be blessing, so many ways to participate, so many ways to contribute, so many ways to care. And our Father, I pray that you will just flood our minds with ways in which we can care for people around us, that we might truly live the value of this house, that it's about people, it's passion for people, people to be built into the image of Jesus Christ and to grow into maturity so we can all find our purpose within your story. We pray that in Jesus' name. And Father, thank you as we go. We know that we go with your presence right here with us, Lord. 
You don't leave. You don't stay behind. You go with us into the rest of the week. And Father, I just pray that we will live to honor you through our decisions and the things we do throughout the week, Lord God. And we might come back, Father, just expectant and just exciting to step back into the house of the Lord with, 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 with our fellow uh, Christians and just glorify you for what you've done in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.